Welcome to Blissful Hiking Adventures, where we put the bliss into hiking and hiking into the adventure. I'm your host, Loralee Bliss, trail name Blissful. And coming to you having accomplished many trails, both high in altitude and low at sea level. But coming to you really with words of wisdom, experience, and yeah, plenty of lessons I've learned along the way in the hopes that you'll find a blissful hiking adventure in your future and you'll be able to fulfill your hiking dream. Welcome to episode five, the anatomy of a section hike on the Appalachian Trail. Really glad you could come out for another wonderful adventure on blissful hiking adventures. So this time we are talking about section hiking. Now, You may have heard that term used on different hiking forums. I'm going on a section hike. And you think to yourself, what is a section hike? So for the Appalachian Trail, anyway, which is a long distance trail, as you know, over 2,000 miles in length, most people can't just do the whole trail in a couple months, can they? They've got family, they've got work, other commitments, things like that. So What hikers like to do is hike portions of the Appalachian Trail called a section hike. So they'll start start off and hike either for a day or a couple days, even a week or two on the AT um, and finish off it that way as section hiking to complete the trail. So that's what I'm endeavoring to do right now, actually. Um, on my third go around here on the AT is doing it by section hiking. So... I've already done the trail north and south, and if you're interested in hearing about those adventures, um, check out my book, Mountains, Madness, and Miracles, 4,000 Miles Along the Appalachian Trail, where I did the trail northbound with my son, who was a teenager, and wow, what an adventure. And then an adventure solo hiking southbound. So be sure you check that out um, in the book section of Blissful Hiking Adventures webpage. So anyway, um, connecting the dots here of a section hike really brings a very interesting way of completing a long-distance hiking adventure. So, And of course, with a section hike of that kind, you bring along a lot of other interesting things as well, such as the idea of every time you go out, it hurts. You know, you're doing things that your body isn't used to because it'll go out for a week. Then you'll come home and go to work or do what you need to do. And then if you decide to go back section hiking maybe the following year, you're back to all those aches and pains and blisters and all that. So, um, of course, my section hiking in the year 2020 got stymied somewhat because of the COVID issue. Um, They were encouraging folks to stay away from the trail in the midst of the major part of the pandemic. And so I wasn't able to do a lot of the hiking that I wanted to do um, along the AT for 2020. So when I had an opportunity to get out for a few days, at least to fill in a gap I had in my section hiking, which was down in the um, North Carolina, Tennessee area, just south of Damascus, I took it. So of course, decided to do what you normally do for planning and preparing for that hike. And if you're interested in learning about that, check out episode four on planning and preparing for your hike. So check the weather, check the temperatures. At that time, it was during the summer months, so I could take summer-like gear with me to do the trail. 
Um, checking the weather too to see, okay, would I need anything um, as far as a light sleeping bag, heavier sleeping bag, went with a actually 40 degree sleeping bag, actually took the sleeping bag that I carried with me back when I did the trail in 07. So talk about a very old sleeping bag, but um, decided to go with a very lightweight one since I was going to be in warmer weather. And of course, a little bit of rain gear because it was actually forecasted to have some very bad rain issues for quite a while. So anyway, um, also decided to make sure my first aid kit was up to par because of course, as a section hiker, um, and you're going out there with feet that aren't used to hiking and muscles that aren't used to it either, um, you're going to end up with first aid issues. So wanted to make sure that I put the Luco tape I needed to on my feet uh, so that I would be able to withstand the pressure points and like that that develop as you're hiking along that can cause um, blistering and other issues. So uh, made sure I had some of the, I use some Band-Aid blister type gel pads that I have in my first aid kit. They help when the blister's already formed and Luco tape won't work on the hot spots anymore. You need something better to cushion. So I had some of those as well. So as a section hiker, you want to make sure that you're carrying what you need because you're out there for a few days, but you're also out there when you have tender feet and tender muscles that aren't used to the rigors of hiking. So... So I decided to start off um, on my journey um, in the summertime because things were a little bit better as far as the pandemic and I could enjoy at least a few days in the solitude of the, uh, the wilderness. So, so I started out, um, got dropped off and um, of course arranging for your rides is always a big deal on a section hike because you're only doing a certain portion of the trail. So Thankfully, my husband was able to drop me off and pick me up. Um, a lot of times you'll check hiker forums to see if there are shuttlers that can actually help you leave your vehicle at the end of where you want to do your section hike. And then all you have to do is hike to your car. So you get a ride, a shuttle to the beginning point and then um, finish up. So for my, this particular section, which was 19E to Damascus, um, I could have had my vehicle in Damascus, and there's actually several shuttlers um, available in the Damascus area that could then take me back to 19E, um, and that way you can hike to your car. So there's ways like that you can deal with um, the transportation issues that you have to think about when you're doing a section hike. So, so um, usually on the first day that I'm out on a section hike, it's not a very big mile day. Um, I don't like to do a whole lot because I'm still tired from traveling, um, depending on how far you've traveled. So you want to take it kind of easy. One thing I've learned when I'm out hiking is if you try to do a lot of miles right off the bat, not only are you hurting yourself, but you could end up getting injured too. And that could actually shorten your whole hike that you've had planned, maybe for a while, you know, to be out there. So you want to take it easy. You know, you're not going to be one of these through hikers, which are these hikers that are out there doing a marathon hike for months on end to finish a whole trail in one season. You're only out there for a few days or a week or two. So you want to give yourself time to adapt, which means you're not going to be doing 16 mile days, are you? 
And um, for me, that's done the trail long distance, I think that I can do a lot more than I really can, you know. Um, Sometimes you'll hear the old adage that you can do a lot more than you think you can. But sometimes with hiking, you want to take the opposite of that. You want to do a little less than you think you can because it'll help save you for later, honestly. So So on that first day, I took a modest approach because not only was I um, new, you know, muscle-wise and feet-wise to the hiking realm, hadn't been out there in a while, Um, but, you know, I had the um, fatigue of traveling. And I wanted to make sure, too, that when you're starting off at your drop-off point, you're usually at a lower elevation, and you can bet you're going to have to climb, aren't you, up. So you're going to be using, you know, your muscles pretty rigorously, (laughs) how about that word, Um, once you get on the trail there um, to ascend. So you want to take your time doing that. So nice thing on day one is I was able to enjoy a really pretty waterfall. Wasn't a lot of uh, hikers out there either. Met one family that was day hiking. Um, Didn't really see too many backpackers. I think I saw one gentleman backpacking. So, um, you know, the time of year that you decide to do your section hike, you could end up seeing a lot of people out there like that. So you want to make sure as a section hiker that you are carrying a tent and not relying on the shelter systems. Since I'm doing this particular section hike during the COVID pandemic, they were encouraging people not to use the shelters anyway. So carrying a tent is always a good idea, um, just so, you know, all the resources are used wisely. And this gives you an opportunity as a section hiker, if you decide, hey, you know, I was planning a certain mile day and I'm just too tired, I'm not going to make it. You can use your maps and your guidebooks to figure out where would be a good place to set up and you're not having to rely on a shelter system, but you can set up when you feel like you need to stop. So that helps you as well. So, okay. So then, um, so that was day one, um, had a really nice day out there. So day two ended up actually being a little bit of a longer hiking day, um, ended up almost doing a 15 miles, which I really didn't want to do, you know, usually starting off a good, good mile day, about 10 to 12 is usually really good. I mean, you know, you just do what you feel like you can do um, without overextending yourself is really important. So Um, what I found, too, on the trail is having what's called the uh, hiker grapevine out there or hiker intel system. So I actually ran into an older gentleman who was telling me about water and camping along the way, which are things that, you know, are important to know, especially depending on the season that you're going out there. So Usually in the springtime, you can rely on the water sources are pretty good. But when I did this particular hike in late summer, um, sources can start to dry up um, unless you've had some tropical systems come through. So having that hiker intel on how the water sources are running and how things are looking is always good to know, you know, for your planning, especially for your campsite that night. I like having a water system availability. So... um, you know, I can cook my dinner and have the water I need for the next morning's hike. So, um, so I was thankful I ran into this gentleman because he actually told me about the one available campsite I had before I descended to a road. So I was very happy to hear from him um, and found the campsite that I could uh, enjoy a nice quiet evening. Um, so that worked out really good. So Day three saw me actually crossing a uh, road that actually, it's called the Dennis Cove Road, and it actually has several hostels on it. So if you pick up one of your AT guidebooks, they tell you about what 
are is available for hostels and places if you need to get some food or something isn't working out gear wise or whatever if you have physical issues whatever you can stop there um you can spend the night um usually you can get showers, rest, whatever. So of course I was early in my hike, so I wasn't planning to stop. But for a lot of hikers that are basically out there for a while and need a rest time, having a hostel located at a road crossing um, is very nice. <laughs> After that took me to the Laurel Fork Falls, which is a beautiful falls area um, along the trail. Um, can also be a dangerous falls too. It wasn't, um, but just a couple years ago um, that a father and son actually lost their lives there. So you need to be careful around waterfalls. You know, um, when I worked up in Shenandoah National Park, uh, every year we would have accidents and things happen at waterfalls. So although it looks um, inviting to have a nice dip in the water by a waterfall. They're also very dangerous. They can have whirlpool effects. They can pull you under when you least expect it. So um, not a good place to take a swim, but a beautiful place to view these uh, nice mighty waterfalls there. So my only uh, problem though is uh, I ended up having a issue trying to find the trail heading northbound. Um, for some reason the trail took a a sharp right turn in the middle of the downhill toward the falls and I missed it and never saw it. So I'm at the base of the falls and now I'm looking around for the trail. I'm looking for those beautiful white blazes that um, help tell you where to go on the trail and I couldn't find it. And so I'm meandering along this little trail along the side of the river thinking this can't be the AT and getting myself into all kinds of issues as I'm trying to cross these slick rock faces and this big blowdown. And I said, this can't be right. So I said, well, worst comes to worst, I'll have to trudge back up the hill, which is not good because it was about a 200 stair climb down. It seemed like they had put in these beautiful rock stairs to get down to the falls. And the idea of me trying to climb all the way back up them would not be good. <laughs> but because I made that decision to start climbing back up, that's when I saw that the trail actually went um, off to the left. Um, deviated away from that southbound part toward the the north so and I could find the turn in the trail that I needed so uh you know unless you've got the gut hook app which is a um a, a, a app for your cell phone to show you direction on the trail like that I was relying on a map which works but you know for this type of a um trail junction you know you really gotta look <laughs> And see where those uh, um, those trail turns are and like that um, on the trail. But anyway, so I um, meandered along there until I began climbing Pond Mountain. And a um, uh, pretty extensive climb up there. And interesting because I can see maybe where it got its name. Not because of ponds, but because there were so many toads hopping along the trail everywhere. They were small, medium, large toads. It was actually pretty hilarious watching them. Every time I turn around, there'd be one hopping out of my way. And I'm like, ah, so maybe Pond Mountain has its name because of all the uh, toads. <laughs> um, but honestly, the woods themselves were absolutely beautiful. It wasn't that I ha saw a lot of wildflowers out there, but it was the beauty of the mushrooms. There were so many varieties of mushrooms and all different colors of all different sizes. It was incredible. At one point, I decided to take a couple hours and actually count the number of mushrooms I passed, and I passed like 120 kind, um, 120 
different mushrooms as I'm walking along. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. You know, there was a one mushroom that was bigger than my shoe, too. It was pretty incredible. So you get to see all kinds of beauty out there. Actually did hear a couple bears uh, crashing through the woods, never saw them, but pretty sure I heard at least three different encounters with bears out there. So so after Pond Mountain, um, ended up at the Boots Off Hostel for an overnight there, which as I mentioned, hostels are a good place to kind of resupply, which I did and um, recuperate a little bit before your next adventure, which took me around this beautiful lake. Um, and then back up into the ridge line again. So, and that's where the weather kind of turned on me. And I actually made it to a um, shelter to wait out a fairly significant rainstorm, um, a lot of lightning and thunder. And so I was kind of glad to find some safety there before I ventured out again because, um, you know, being in storms, especially in late summer, that happens to you on the trail. Um, if you're in above elevation, such as in the presidentials or in other places, even out west, um, you want to be very careful of um, electrical storms. I actually was in a couple bad ones out in Colorado when I did the Colorado Trail. Some of it turned into hail and like that. So uh, you want to kind of keep your eye to the sky during that particular time. I actually headed for some uh, little grove of pines that I found to try to find some shelter. So you want to try to get off the high ridges. Um, during some of those storms that could be fairly dangerous. So um, thankfully, you know, I was not above tree line, of course, in Tennessee, um, but still having the safety of that shelter during the major part of the storm was good. So so um, walking along there like that, um, I passed um, some actually some interesting trail history too that you can find along the way. One of it is um, a um, it was like a little monument to uh, an old hermit that used to live an, uh, on um, Iron Mountain called Nick Grindstaff. He lived up there for a number of years. I actually did some uh, research on him on the internet when I got home because I was curious to know about his life and actually had been through quite a bit of hardship, a lot of loss, and um, you know, grew up during the Civil War. His parents died when he was very young, too, and I think he just found a lot of solace in the woods. A lot of times we'll escape to the woods um, to find peace, and I believe that's what Nick did, lived there all his life. Um, so found it very interesting um, to learn about him and like that. So uh, after that, descended to Shady Valley, which actually they have one of the few areas where they have a handicapped trail that they have built for the AT so that... Um, those with um, some physical limitations like that can still enjoy the beauty of the trail, which I think is wonderful. Um, I didn't recall them having this handicap portion of trail there in the Shady Valley area, but they do. Um, another portion of trail that they have for handicap, I believe there's one in Connecticut and maybe Vermont as well. So makes it really nice that the uh, handicap can enjoy um, uh, parts of the trail and enjoy some of nature. So, and this winds through a beautiful farmer's field. In fact, on the barn was a huge AT symbol welcoming hikers to the AT along his property, which I thought was really great. There's a bench there. And so it was really a beautiful, especially since the weather was really nice and you can enjoy some beautiful views of the valley too. Really enjoyed that. So, but of course, like all times with trips um, that night, um, I barely got into my camp before another huge thunderstorm rolled through. 
And I will have to say that this is one of the heaviest rains I have been in, in, I don't know, ever maybe, but it was extremely heavy rain. I never heard it come down so hard in my life. I was hoping my tent would stay up uh, because the rain came down so much. Um, it, my tent site was on a little bit of an elevation climb, but still um, had some water running under it, had a little bit of wet issues, but basically stayed pretty dry. And yes, the tent did not collapse, so I made it through, but it was a pretty, pretty intense storm. Um, that I weathered in my tent. And, but the next morning was just beautiful with the sunrise. The um, woods just became ignited in, in like this beautiful orange flame of sunlight. It was beautiful. And of course, the mushrooms again just popped out and could really enjoy some of that beauty as well as I descended now to Damascus, which would finish off my section hike. So um, kind of a beautiful time out there for sure. Um, some... Uh, adventures along the way as well. And um, yeah, I was pretty sore. I'm still recuperating from a past um, accident and like that. So I uh, was kind of glad to have some, uh, some time at least to see how well I would do and to at least get out there and enjoy some of the beauty um, that you can definitely find. And uh, so a section hike can absolutely uh, yield you some glorious times out there, but you also want to be prepared for it as far as it's going to hurt some, you know, and you have to pace yourself as well. Um, but hopefully this will give you an idea that, yes, in an anatomy of a section hike, there is things you learn and things you'll take away, and hopefully it's all for the good so that you can find peace, what you find in creation, and find peace in yourself as you continue to wander in this beautiful land of ours. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. You have been listening to the Blissful Hiking Adventures podcast. Be sure never to miss an episode by subscribing to this podcast, and feel free to also leave a review as I value your opinion. Be sure to check out show notes and other valuable hiking information at blissfulhiking.com, including my hiking adventure series of books, Mountains, Madness, and Miracles, 4,000 Miles Along the Appalachian Trail, and Gators, Guts, and Glory, Adventures Along the Florida Trail, both available now. Blissful Hiking Adventures is part of the Whitefire Podcast Network. Visit whitefire.tv slash podcast to find other shows I know you'll love. See you next time.